Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us watching online or maybe you're in here in person, uh, we're so glad that you're with us. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, awesome. And the reason we do that is because we know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. I could be crazy today, so you got to give me another chance uh, to make it better. And so uh, make sure you come back at least three times. Hopefully you be your spiritual family. If you are watching online, we'd love for you to do us a few things. Like, comment, share. Just be engaged in the conversation. A lot of that does is actually helps us get through some of the social media algorithms and helps us keep us uh, just kind of uh, viewable to other people. And then if you're in here, we'd love for you just to check in on Facebook and let everybody know you are here. Here at church. By the way, real quick before I get started, just one quick minor message to those who are watching online. Two quick thoughts. Number one, I'd love for you to just start praying about when you're going to start coming back in person at church on the weekend. Um, I want you to start praying about it. Have that conversation inside of your family. Um, there's a lot of us who, you know, maybe don't come because of a certain reason or not. But if you if you haven't had that conversation, number one, have that conversation. And then number two, make sure church isn't the last place you end up going, okay? Make sure it's not the last place you wind up going. I mean, I get it. Sometimes you got to go to H-E-B and Walmart. Make sure it's not the last place you go. We believe in having spiritual family and doing it in person. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people here who believe in that. Come on, y'all make some noise, let people know. We'd love to see you come back. So we'd love to have you come back. It would be awesome. Um, We are starting a brand new series today called Made for Mondays. And the reason we're doing that is I don't think I've ever been to a church that did a series on work. Um, And anytime you ever hear the word work, no one ever really thinks of a positive thing. In fact, you don't even think of a positive thing when you think of the day Monday, because you equate it to going back to to work. In fact, we celebrate, they don't have thank God it's Monday, they thank God it's what? Friday. So why? Because when you're done with work and you're done with the work week and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do to have fun and when you have to go back to Monday, everybody does the collective sigh and they're like, man, I can't believe it. Tomorrow I got to go back to work. In fact, I just reminded you that tomorrow you got to go back to work and you're mad at me already about it. And um, I wanted to just bring up a reason why we're talking about it is because you need to know this, that work is actually a divine idea. You, we might think a lot of times, I know sometimes even in church, pastors might have preached this wrong. Work is not the result of sin. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter 2 says it like this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To, to work it. And that means, not means like work it, honey. That's not what he meant. He meant like you're going to work it. Like you're going to put your hand to something and you're going to build something and take care of it. And then sin came into the world. So, so work wasn't the result of sin. This is not punishment. You having a job is not punishment, even though it might feel like it. Hello. So it's not punishment. It's actually a divine idea. It's God's idea. And you and I need to know that God cares about it. In fact, you, the average adult, will spend about 40% of their life working. How many of all know if that's true, we need to talk about how you do that well. Like, you need to know how to do that well. You need to know what characteristics. What does God care about when it comes to you going to work and being in a profession or owning a business? All this stuff matters. And so today we're going to start a, a little two-part series called Made for Mondays. And I'm going to have an excitement. Well, the first service was great, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I hope you guys get something from this and really walk away with some good, maybe next steps, some tangible ideas on how to make Monday work for you. So let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just thankful that we're here. And we get to speak on your behalf and hear a message from you. I have notes, God, but you know this, that you have notes for us. They're all personalized. They're all made for us. And Holy Spirit, you work. God, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
Amen. How many of y'all remember the worst job you ever had? Raise your hand. You remember the worst job you ever had? You, some of y'all are like, I don't have to remember, Pastor. It's current right now, today. I, I have the worst job ever. And, um, you know, sometimes we get in these jobs where we love the job. Sometimes we get in the job that we hate the job. But the truth of the matter is, whether you love it or you hate it, you still want to be promoted. You still want to get forward. You want to take a step. No one wakes up and says, man, I'd love to get a demotion today. This would be powerful. If I, my life's goal and my dreams would be fulfilled if I could just be demoted. No one says that. No one wakes up that way. Everyone wakes up with the goal in mind to be promoted, to take a next step. And I did that all throughout my life. I, mean, I had some crazy jobs growing up. I mean, I, I remember uh, I, was a, I worked at a bagel shop. Now, I don't even know anything about a bagel shop. Anybody work at a bagel shop other than me? Anybody at all? Okay. Uh, what's interesting about a bagel shop, I thought you just put bagels in the oven and then they they baked and they came out. That's not true. You got to roll the dough out. You got to make the dough. Then you put them in the humidifier. Then you got to put the toppings on. And then, then you put them in the baker and then you bring them out and you got to put them in the display and you got to deal with angry people in the morning because they're tired and they're upset about something. You got to make the right coffee. It was terrible. It was the, one of the worst jobs ever. But it made me some money and taught me something how to do it. I remember I worked at a shoe store, Finish Line. I liked sneakers. I'm a sneakerhead. I love shoes. And so uh, I worked in Finish Line and tried to get a bunch of, you know, when the Jordans came out, I always knew when the Jordans were coming out and, and we were able to sell shoes. And I was always the guy who upselled you. You remember when you go to the shoe store, what do they always try to do? They try to sell you the cleaner and the protectant and the insole, right? That was always the thing. And so we always made money that way. And so I was always the one that said, you know what you need to do? And I would just spray the cleaner on your shoe and I wouldn't even give you a chance to say, I'm telling you, I was a good salesman. You probably already know that. So anyway, um, it was really good. I was a tape duplicator. I had a job as a tape duplicator. Y'all remember what cassette tapes were? Some of y'all teenagers are like, what is a cassette tape? Cassette tape, there was these tapes and uh, at church. I don't know if y'all remember this in church when you used to go to church and like when the pastor had a good sermon. What you did is you went to the back and you waited. Come on, y'all remember that? You waited in the lobby for the tape duplicator guy to duplicate, and he'd have them in this big machine, and you put all the clear tapes in it, and then you'd have the master tape, and you'd have to walk it like with like white gloves, because that was the only recording we had. We put in the tape, and the tape duplicator would come out, and you'd hand out the tape duplicators, and I was that guy. I did that for a while, and that was terrible. Uh, my wife was telling me about her, because um, uh, Christian folk are mean, and so, uh, but they, uh, my wife went to, a, uh, she was, she told me her worst job ever. Can I tell you, I want to tell you all her worst job? She told me about her worst job. She worked as a teenager in a, a famous ice cream shop. And I don't want to name the name because I don't want to dime them out, okay? We'll just call it Laskin Hobbins, okay? And so we were like, you know, she was working at this place, and she said, so this is their story, okay? She said, this guy ordered a scoop of chocolate ice cream in a cone. And so he took a bite, hated it, handed it back to her and said, I don't like this. I want a new one. So my wife, like any human person would do, would take that cone and put it in the trash. Her manager runs out and says, ho, 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 hold on. We don't do that. Next time someone do, does that, just cut off the bit part and put the rest of the scoop back in the ice cream. Now, I don't know if that's Baskin Robbins, oh, I'm sorry, Laskin Hobbins uh, <laughs> corporate policy, but that was nasty. Everybody say nasty. So here's the, the, the rule of the whole thing. If you ever see rolls of ice cream that have already been scooped inside of the ice cream thing, you don't walk out. You run out and don't go back. Yeah, exactly. So it was nasty. Tell me, we all have some, some crazy jobs, right? We all have jobs that we maybe don't care about and don't like. But we all want to be... 
We all want to be promoted. Now, I want to give you maybe six keys today, if I can. Six keys to what I call promotability. And this is what promotability is for all of us. If you want to know, if you're taking notes, it's possessing the ability to achieve our dreams. Now, here's what's funny. All of us have dreams, but the distance between us having a dream and actually achieving it seems to be very, very wide. Have you noticed that? So, like, you can have a dream, and you've been dreaming for a long time, and then for some reason you don't seem to be getting any closer to your dream than you did the start of this year. I mean, how many of y'all know 2020 has been just a giant dumpster fire for most people? And so when nobody likes this year, and it seems to have really taken a hit on our lives. And so I've wanted to walk through maybe six key promotability, six keys to, to being promoted inside of your life. And I want to use the backdrop of Joseph. Uh, there's, a, there's a character in the Bible named Joseph, his story in Genesis chapter 27. If you ever want to go back and read it, it's a really fascinating story. Joseph was the son of Jacob and Leah, and uh, or Jacob and Rachel, sorry. And Jacob and Rachel had Joseph... 11 brothers, but he was the favorite. The Bible literally says he was the favorite. Now, how many of y'all know if you're a parent, you shouldn't have a favorite? We know you do, but you don't say it to the kids, right? You don't ever tell the kids that you have a favorite. You just know it in your heart that you have a favorite. And But this guy, Jacob, actually told Joseph that he was his favorite, and then he actually told his kids that he was his favorite, and then he showed them by giving them this really fancy coat. They call it the coat of many colors, and so he gave them a fancy coat. It was like a tantamount today if like I had 11 kids, they were all teenagers, teenagers and I gave one of them a Ferrari, right? And the rest of the brothers had to go, you know, they didn't have any car at all. They found out, well, you know, Joseph was the favorite. So Joseph's the favorite in the family. And you actually read about Joseph's life. It's fascinating. He starts as a, you know, as a Hebrew kid in the land of Canaan, winds up being really, honestly, it's a, he has a messed up story. His brothers sell him into slavery. He lives in a household. At the household, he gets lied about, gets thrown into prison. And then in prison, inside of an Egyptian prison, he starts uh, interpreting dreams. Joseph becomes this great dream interpreter and actually rises to the second in command in Egypt only to Pharaoh. Okay, so, 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 so Joseph had a dream originally that we're going to talk about in just a minute, but how he actually accomplishes the dream, it takes some time to get there. And so I'm going to give you six keys to his, his way of promoting that work actually work out in our life today. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this first one is audacity. Everybody say audacity. audacity. This is, this is possessing the courage to think big, show initiative, and take risks for a dream while facing the possibility of, of failure. Verse 37, chapter 37 in Genesis, this is Joseph's life. So Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. In verse 10, he winds up saying this. Uh, his dad, when his dad and his father found out and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? So he finds out he has a dream. He tells his brothers, his brothers hate him. And then he tells his dad, his dad rebukes him. But it all starts with the idea that Joseph had a dream. And my encouragement to you today, before I say anything else, is that you need to learn to dream again. And for 2020, a lot of us, have been, that's been stolen for us. For so many of us, we, we start out, do you remember what January 2020 was like? Does anybody remember that? It feels like 20 years ago, right? A lot's happened since then, but you and I started the year 2020 in January, excited, hopeful. You had some dreams, and then March came around, and it like killed all of them. Because you were like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen on the horizon. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. We don't know what's going to happen with the presidency. We don't know what's going to happen with racial tension. We don't know what's going to happen with the world. Come on. We're, it feels like we're in the, like the eighth level of Jumanji. It's like one more thing, and this whole thing is just going to explode, right? And so when you get into moments like this, you and I forget how to dream. You stay stuck in the present, forsaking the future. And like, I'm a pastor first. I'm not a self-help guru. 
And I want to encourage you today. You should dream again. You should believe big. You should have the audacity to think that you serve a God that is bigger than 2020. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know there's a lot of anxiety in this room, watching online, a lot of fear, a lot of hopelessness right now. A lot of reasons we shouldn't dream. A lot of circumstances coming against you. I just want to remind you, you should dream again. You should think big. You should take a risk. Calculated risk. But a risk, none the same. You should have some audacity inside of your life. Get that fire back for, that, that, that seems to be stolen from all of us. You know one of the reasons why we did the vision series this last month? Because I wanted to give you a glimpse of the future of our church. That it's big and that it's bright and that we have possibility and that it's not over and that the church is not dead and that God is still alive and Jesus is still on the throne and you're still going to make it and we're still here, right? We're still here. If nothing else here... It, you need to dream again. A question you should ask yourself is, am I thinking big? Am I taking appropriate risks towards my dreams? Are you dreaming? Church, are you dreaming still? Maybe you're a mom that stays at home or a dad that stays at home. You're a stay-at-home parent. You know, and, and you just got caught in the mundane of every day is the same. Maybe there's a new way of doing things. Dream again. Maybe you're a business owner and you've always had one way of doing things and you, or you're a supervisor and you always wanted to do something a certain way. I want you to give you permission. You can dream to do it a different way. If you, maybe you're a nine-to-fiver, right? You get up, you go to work, get, you, you go there and you come home and you just punch the clock. I want to give you permission to, to be able to dream with your boss, with your supervisor, with your organization. I want to give you an ability to dream again. Maybe you're stuck in a marriage or relationship you feel like it's the same old, same old, same old, same old. I want to give you permission to dream again. Dream again. Dream big. If you don't dream, listen, if you don't shoot for the star, I always laugh at people who get mad at people who take steps of faith, who take a little risk here and there, and they get mad at them. It's like, no, no, no. That's how you get to the dream. That's how you get to the star. We don't get to where we're, we don't get to the impossible unless we try. And the, it's just so you know, the, the impossible is always the impossible until it's possible. It's always, it, there's always someone who takes a risk because they had a dream. Joseph had a dream. At least, at, look, at least he was dreaming about something crazy. I just want to give you permission to do it again. Number two is this for mobility, is likability. Now, this is important because some of y'all don't care about this, and it's important. It's important. This is possessing the attractive attitudes. This is important. Attractive attitudes and relational skills that causes others to want to work with you. Now, I know some of us are like, I just got to go to work and do my job. That's all that matters. That matters, but it's not all that matters. I'm trying to give you, these are like six keys that your boss wishes he could tell you. Every supervisor in the world, every business owner in the world wishes they could just get this to you 
And if you just do this, you'll be, you'll be way and already on track to getting to your dreams just like Joseph was. I like what Genesis chapter 39 says. So the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So again, he, got a, he had a dream. He shared it with his brothers. The brothers sold him off into slavery. Now he's in slavery in an Egyptian household. Now he's, okay, he had a bad moment. He shared his dream with the wrong people. Now he's in, a, he's in the master's house. Then when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, which by the way, if you're in a tough moment you need to be with the lord and not away from him so if you're running from god because you're having a tough situation you're doing the opposite you need to be close with him that's how you get to your dreams heads up side note that wasn't even in my notes number four it says joseph found favor everybody say favor I said, found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. this is interesting the bible actually highlights joseph found favor he became likable to the guy he was serving now, I know for some of us, you think it's a personality. You think I'm asking you to be a different personality. I'm not. I'm just asking you not to be the worst version of yourself. Because some of us walk into work thinking, like, we can just be whoever we want to be. We can do whatever we want to do. We can act however. We can have whatever attitude we want to have. And no matter what, that's going to let me keep my job. It might let you keep your job, but I'm not talking about you keeping your job. I'm talking about you getting to your dreams. And I'm telling you, likability plays a huge role in this. And the order to do that, here's the key to being likable, is that you got to actually care about others. I know it's a shock. you got to actually care about somebody. The only way that you're attractive to someone is if you actually care about them. The Bible talks about a little like this. If you want a friend, you should show yourself friendly. So like the worst thing you could do is come into a church or an organization or a family. I don't have any friends. Well, do you do anything with anybody? No, I like being home and I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Okay, maybe if you said hi and you smile. Some, I, somebody told me the other day, they're like, I want a friend. I said, well, tell your face. Yeah. Just tell your face because you got sour face. You know what I'm talking about? Like you be sucking on a pickle the whole time. No one likes you because you look like you don't like anyone. So I get it. Like, I'm not asking you to be like, I'm not asking you to be the person that you're not, but I'm, I am saying be the best version of your personality. Be a healthy version of you. So, so here's some, some ideas of attractive attitudes, because I want to like highlight this for someone, because I feel like sometimes we'll be likable. What does that mean? I'll give you some attractive attitudes. Okay. Uh, humility and not arrogance. That makes you likable. Because no one likes a know-it-all, right? So if you feel like you know everything all the time and no one can tell you anything, by the way, no one likes you. I'm just telling you everything that no one will tell you. No one likes you because no one can talk to you about anything. So if you're the man who knows everything, if you're the woman who knows everything, by the way, you're probably not going to get invited to that Christmas party. Just heads up. All right. Uh, be cheerful, not downer. Like, this is what I call the Eeyore spirit. By the way, I will not be around you personally. This is just me as a person, okay? I'm telling you, you, will, you and I will never hang out. We won't go get coffee, and we won't have a good time together if you have the Eeyore spirit on you, right? And some of y'all do, and you don't even know it. Like, and I'm just telling you, the best thing you do is you're going to ask somebody next to you, someone who knows you well, and say, do I, am I act like this? Because y'all know those people where you walk up to her, and you're like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, I don't know. Just everything, just nobody likes me. Everything's wrong. The life is world. Everything's terrible. I don't know. Uh. You know, they walk around. Uh. I'm like, no one's not going to, I'm not going to come talk to you. I talk to her like this. If I can't go on vacation with you, you and I, you will not be working with me in our organization. 
Like, you got to be some fun. Like, I want to be around some fun. Don't be Eeyore, be Tigger. That's what I want. Hey, what are we doing today? Hey, hey, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Let's go back. I'm just, just, just care about your personality for a moment. Let's just, just at least while you're at work, and then at home you can be Eeyore to anyone else you want. Just, just be when you're with me. Be, be a cheerful person. Encouraging and not condescending. This is why I talk about, like, um, uh, the people who have, like, a, a sarcasm problem, right? Where someone, like, if you, I just want you to know, like, one of the coolest things you can do for someone is encourage them and tell them something nice. And we forgot how to do that. And a lot of times, like, if you're looking to do something, and we think it's funny, like, so we'll tell jokes. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm, I'm a very sarcastic person. And so I, I'm really working on that. Like, I want if somebody says something nice to me, I don't want to say something back that's sarcastic. I want to be encouraging. We, we got to encourage each other, right? Encourage, being encouraging and not condescending and not tearing people down, encouraging them. We need right now a lot of people to encourage each other. Like, you need, you're going to make it. You're going to do it. Man, that was a great dress. Man, that's a cool thing that you did. Hey, then you have great hair. Hey, do something. Say something nice. Everybody say nice. Yeah. I'm telling you it matters right now. It matters right now, and it matters if you want to be likable. And the last one is just empathetic and not apathetic. The real difference here is that you got to care about someone's feelings and not the apathetic is really just the, the ability to not care. So are you responding and not reacting in the moment? Are you learning how to love people who don't like you and don't speak like you and don't talk like you and don't vote like you and don't look like you and don't watch the same news program as you? you, you I want you to know it matters to God. It matters to God. It matters to God. We need to care about all people. Yeah. Next one is this, because y'all don't like that. Uh, trustworthiness. Um, this is possessing the ability to earn the trust of others by always keeping your promises and fulfilling your responsibilities. Now, listen. Here's what's funny about being trustworthy. You can't walk up to your boss and tell him, I'm trustworthy. Right. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You, the only way you tell your boss that you're trustworthy is you show them you're trustworthy. Genesis, I'll show you this. Potiphar put, this is the guy who was in charge of him. This is his master. He said, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. That, that word entrust is important. It's, it's like, it's the, it's the ability to be trustworthy in the little things. And the question you have to ask yourself is, are you trustworthy in your job? Do you do, here's another way to say, do you do the little things well? Because I have a lot of people who come and say, I wish I could be in charge of this division, but you can't be in charge of your workspace. You think the little things don't matter. You think showing up late and leaving early doesn't matter. It does. Your bosses are looking at that. Your supervisors care. I'll give you one better. Your peers care. The people you work with. That's what probably irritates the most. Like, bro, can you show up on time? Because when you don't show up on time, it affects me. So you ain't going to be likable if you don't know how to do the the little things, and you're not going to earn the ability to be trustworthy. It's the biggest secret that I think most supervisors are. Just do the little things. Just do your hair correctly. Dress like an adult. Talk like a human. Put deodorant on in the morning. I mean, come on. Like little things. I'm telling you, these are the things that your supervisor cares about. These are the things that lead you to getting to your dreams and not getting to. If you don't want to get to your dreams, none of these things are going to matter to you. If you want to just keep it where you're at, I just, then, then, this, then don't do any of this. But I'm asking, like, you want to get to your dreams? 
You want to get promoted? Do the little things well. How do you do the little things well? Number one, you got to identify the little things in your life. Here's a good way to do it. Go up to your boss Monday, tomorrow. Go up to your boss, go up to your supervisor, and ask, what are the little things that keep you up at night that I can help you with? Just tell me. I, I, want, I want the little, th- I don't want the big things. I don't need to be promoted. I don't need the, the flash. I don't need more money. Just tell me the little things that you, you care about that can I help you with. And then you'll find all of a sudden you get promoted. All the big things get settled with the, with the little things. Yeah. Second way is this. So once you identify them, then, then you, then you got to start doing them well. I identify well. I define well as excellent and timely. So if I ever ask somebody in our staff or anything, anybody at church like to go do something, I care about whether or not you do it right and excellent because God cares about that because it reflects on his heart. The church was a reflection of him. So if we do something that's not excellent, we come up here and we don't practice the music and we don't have the right, the microphone's not working right and we didn't set up the things right and this TV didn't plug in and the chairs weren't set up right and the air wasn't on in Texas, come on, South Texas, and the lights didn't turn on right and we didn't start service right. Let me just tell you, it matters because we want to be excellent here. Excellence is not perfection, by the way. It's just doing things well and doing it to the best of our ability. And then timeliness. I care about whether or not you are stuck on Mosey, by the way. I'll talk to some people sometimes. Your boss cares about it, too, where they ask you to do something. And the first thing you do is go, all right. And I'm like. Run! Like, I want to shake him a little bit. Like, like I, want, I know that you, you seem like you're alive. Will you prove it to me? Like, that stuff matters, man. Like, hell is hot. Eternity's a long time. I'm trying to do something. Let's go. Excellent and timely. Sorry, I was a little out of my soapbox moment. Number four. Uh, growth capacity, possessing the desire and keep learning and to increase competence and handle greater responsibility. I like what happens in Genesis. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And when Joseph in charge, I like this. Bible never leaves things out. They put things in on purpose, okay? So he says, he did not concern with anything except for the food he ate. So the Bible want to be clear. Nothing was on Potiphar's mind. He didn't run anything other than what he was going to eat. Which just shows me this. A Hebrew boy growing up in Canaan knew nothing about an Egyptian slave master's home. So he had to learn it. And I guarantee you Potiphar didn't go, hey, Joseph, can I help you learn stuff? Your boss's responsibility is not to grow you. Your responsibility is to grow you. So if you're not learning anything right now, to help you take a step towards your dream, don't walk up to your boss tomorrow and blame them. Because it's not their job. It's your job to grow you. So my question you have to ask, what are you listening to right now that's going to help you learn? What are you reading? Well, I, I, I can't read. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like reading. Okay, what are you watching? What, do you, what audio book are you listening to then? I, I, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Because you spend a lot of time on Netflix. And a lot of time on YouTube. You can learn something. Somehow. I'm not giving you a box to learn in. I'm just saying do something. 
Grow your growth capacity. It's not my job to grow our staff's growth capacity. It's their job. They do it. It's my job to recognize it and promote them. Give me the, give your boss no chance. You should be the guy that's like, and the girl that walks in the church, and you do so much, you know about so many things, they have no choice. They're like, we, she, she has to run the division. She has to. There's no one who knows more about it. Do you see? You take it out of their hands. We're talking about keys to promotability. If you want to grow, it can be grown. Number five is this, loyalty. This is, this is so important. Talk about the keys to promotability, loyalty. This is possessing the ability to be faithful to my peers, supervisor, and organization when tempted to do otherwise. Loyalty is not just being loyal to your boss. It's being loyal to your peers. It's being loyal to your boss and being loyal to the organization. And you will be tempted to do it otherwise. You're tempted with your attitude. You're tempted with your heart. You're tempted with your hands. You're tempted with your head. You're, you're going to be tempted all the time. Why? Because the, the, the God that you and I serve wants you to be in a position of growth. So if that's the truth, you have an enemy who doesn't want you to do that. So he's going to constantly tempt you and try to pull you away from where you should be and what you should be doing. I'll show it to you what happened in Joseph's life. Said, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. That means he was good-looking. There's The Greek there is well-built. That's well-built. Chiseled. Right? Muscles. Right? Hello? And handsome. He looked good. He had that chiseled jawline. He was the one that you liked. And then after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, hey, come to bed with me. That's risque. That's drama. So, so he's tempted... To betray the very person that's promoting him. Come on. And verse 8 says, he refused. He refused. He said, wait a minute. I, I, know I, I know I can betray not just my... My boss, not just my peers, not just my organization, but my values. I could betray it, but I'm loyal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to be faithful. That's a lost virtue, by the way, in this, this day and age. You know, there was a time where you, know, you stuck with a company or an organization for 50 years. You got the 50-year gold watch at your retirement. You know, those, those days aren't, aren't here anymore. And some of it's culture and some of it's technology. But, but honestly, some of it's just a lost virtue of just being loyal to someone. Where, where you, you stuck it out even though it was tough. You stuck it out even though someone was trying to woo you away. You, you stuck it out because your word was your bond. Come on, somebody. Because you were loyal. How can we be loyal? You can be loyal in two, two main ways. You could be loyal in your actions. I mean, be mindful of what you do at work. Be mindful of the places that you go, be mindful of what you represent and who you represent inside of your organization. And the second way I would say is this, is, is being loyal with your words. Be careful how you speak. Um, I, I will say this. If the Bible says that gossip, God hates gossip, you should be careful with that. You shouldn't even get anywhere near it. Don't play with it. Don't get around it. Don't act like it. Don't say stuff. Don't, be, be, be careful. If you get a check in your spirit, if you're going to say something, don't say it. It's not worth it. And by the way, 
like the religious gossiping is the worst. Because we all do it, like, and God knows it. So like, hey, let's pray for Bob. Did you hear what happened? Okay, wait. I'm going to give you permission. Next time someone tells that to you, say, stop. Go pray for Bob. Go to Bob. And then I'll pray about Bob in general. But don't put his mess on blast without his permission. It's gossip. And God hates it. So, so you, and by the way, anytime you gossip, you tell two things. Number one, you tell that you're the most insecure person that you know. And two, you tell them that they can't trust you. Because you know what happens when you gossip with someone? Anytime someone comes up to me and tries to say something to me, I'm like, I, I, mm, I got to be careful with them. And then you wonder why nobody says anything to you. Because you've got a big mouth. Anyway, all right. Number six. The final one is this, and I'm done. Uh, integrity. We're talking about promotability. Possessing the ability to practice in secret the values and beliefs that you claim to hold in public. Integrity. Integrity. If you didn't get it, I'm giving you character issues right now. By the way, they're, they're at a premium. They're, 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 people are going to pay a premium for them because they're at a loss right now. If you just live your life of character. I was telling this business owner this. I said, you just do 50% of what you say you're going to do. You'd be better than 99% of the businesses out there. How many of y'all have ever had a company come to your house after you scheduled them and you asked them to do something? They didn't do any of it. They didn't show up on time. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. It was more than they caught. Come on. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Just do what you said you were going to do. Just have integrity. Be the same person at home that you are at work. I'll give you a secret. You cannot be that person publicly if you're not that person privately. It always comes out. It always comes out. You have to be the, the, uh, the root word in, integri- uh, in um, integrity is integer, which means whole. It's like you have to be a whole person. You got to live a, a, a whole life. Are you a whole person at home and at work? It, has to, it, it starts at home before it even gets to work. And I like what Genesis chapter 39 says with, with, with Joseph. He says, although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he still refused. And just so you know, your integrity is going to be challenged not one time. It'll be challenged regularly. She, what she was doing is seeing, are you going to be the same person every day, all day? Or am I going to catch you slipping? And he refused. And he was consistent. And you know what happens? Joseph gets to his dream. Joseph gets to his dream. I'm going to close with these questions. These are just things to ponder. Close with these questions. I'm done. I promise. With audacity, where do you need to step out in faith? Where do you need to dream again? Think about that. I want you to really think about that. I want you to write that. Where do you need to dream again? What is 2020 stolen from you that you need to get back? Come on, let's dream again. Come on. You can do it. Stand up. Put your shoulders back. Likeability. Where can I bless and encourage others? You start blessing and encouraging people. Everybody loves somebody generous. You ever notice that? When can you buy someone a coffee? When can you write someone a card? 
When you can talk to someone, tell someone that, man, you, I just, I'm believing for you. Tell them you're praying for them. Be encouraging. How could you be likable? Last one, trustworthiness. Am I a trustworthy person? What are the little things that you can start doing to build trust into your, your supervisor, your bosses, where she can trust you with more? See that you're trustworthy. Growth capacity. Am I improving myself daily? What are you listening to? Reading, watching. What are you doing every single day? It doesn't have to be a lot. It could be five minutes a day where you're learning something new so that you can reach your dreams. Where are you loyal? Can I be loyal in my words and in my actions? What are you rooting out all disloyal behaviors and improving on loyal ones? And the last one is this integrity. Am I a whole person? You got to ask yourself that. Am I a whole person? And if you could do that, my prayer is that you can be promoted with God's help.